Welcome to the Seriously Social Podcast with your host, Simone Douglas. Today, Simone chats with Nancy Pavlovich. Today, on this episode of Seriously Social, the podcast, I am joined by the fabulous Nancy, Nancy from the Pavlov Group. Nancy, can you just give us a little bit of a backstory for our listeners about, you know, who you are and, and how you've ended up here um, to start things off? I'll do my best. Um, started off as a classroom teacher, moved into the boardroom, and what I've routinely found myself being is a strategic solution provider. Uh-huh. Um, and so subsequently, the Pavlov Group is about behavioural conditioning of your business insofar as every industry, irrespective of size, complexity, product or service, you know, nature of distribution, uh, logistics and so on, uh, has a similar pattern of behaviours. And they all stem from things like their systems, their processes, their people, their performance, and their profit lines. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, where they are now versus where they want to be down the track. They don't necessarily know what their vision or future target is, and they certainly don't know what their roadmap is either. So inadvertently, somebody like myself who started off as a classroom teacher, moved into auditing, moved into project management, you know, continued to be a trainer, an assessor, a document developer. Or a, mm-hmm. um, there's always something that's like, oh, I know this is new. What's this new shiny toy to look at kind yeah. of thing? Um, it evolved into, well, how do I apply my skills? At one particular point, I used to refer to myself as a professional schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> um, literally because... I, at one stage, didn't know how to set up, well, what's my elevator pitch? Yeah. What's my point of difference? Mm-hmm. Because I'm I'm a master practitioner in neurolinguistic programming. Mm-hmm. I'm a de bono practitioner trained individual. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I, over here, you know, I know how to audit all the way up to complex uh, international standards that are integrated. I know how to write a document. I know how to pitch a product or a service. doesn't have to be mine. <laughs> But I will usually find that pebble in the shoe yeah. that prevents that progress from occurring. Yeah. And so when somebody has a problem, it'll be, oh, why don't you go to Auntie Nancy? Yeah, I love that. So I think in business too, you know, I often talk to a lot of uh, business owners and they got into business because they were good at something, mm-hmm. not necessarily because they had all of this business acumen or knowledge. Their businesses grew around them. How do you um, help a business owner identify the behaviours that are getting in the way of their success? What's the starting point of that conversation? Uh, For me, it's about baseline assessment. Mm -hmm. And so this is where it's like I'm using both my logical brain as well as my left and my right brain simultaneously. Um, In some instances, you're using that informal approach of observation and discussions with people. Mm -hmm. But you really need to uh, unpack what the current environment is in relation to the legislation the industry standards the codes of practice their point of difference mm-hmm. what are their major competitors what do they do what's different how do they how do they distinguish themselves um and then to get back into the purpose of your point um it's a case of unpacking what is desired behavior what is desired outcome yeah. what's missing yeah. and how would you know any different what does it look like like very, a lot of people think that the grass is always greener on the other side. And I've always maintained this mentality of if you don't like the colour of your grass, work out what's preventing it from being the colour you want it to be and then find the ingredients you require to 
um, fertilize it correctly, maintain it appropriately, you know, engage the right people to assist you. Mm. The, the most astute professional is rec- uh, recognizes there are things I cannot do. Yeah. Who do I need to help me get there? So sometimes I'm mentoring CEOs. Other times I'm mentoring the C-suite, you know, team of people. Mm. Other times I'm simply writing a document for somebody that, you know, follow this process because I've been able to remove all the clutter and all the noise and go, this is what you're trying to produce. This is how you get there. So sometimes they ask you to do all sorts of things, but uh, you really need to understand what is their desired outcome? What Mm -hmm. is their specific intention behind that outcome? And have they recognised the consequences that go with their choices? Quite, I think quite often we haven't in business, we haven't even thought about the true consequences of the impact of those choices that we make. Which comes back to risk management frameworking. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, for me, it's all about international um, ISO 31000, which is the enterprise risk management framework, yeah. which looks at the entire organisation beyond PESTEL, beyond SWOT analysis, mm-hmm. Beyond smarter objectives, it's really coming back into, well, what are our requirements in this industry? Who's our gatekeeper? Yeah. Is there any limitation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What was the best piece of business advice you were ever given by someone um, for your own business? Mm. Believe nothing and no one. So question, the big Prove it. Yeah, question Prove it. Be, a, be, be a pragmatist. Unless there's evidence of it, it doesn't exist. That's it's actually really good advice. So during the um like the pandemic that we're still in, how mm-hmm. how has that advice kind of uh, underpinned some of the things that you've done for yourself or with your clients? Well, I, I automatically had to pivot and adjust mm-hmm. to a lot of remote support. Yeah. Typically, I, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. given that I'm in Melbourne and we've been more than 205 days in lockdown, yeah. so, you know, the sanity has been tested. Absolutely. Um, prior to COVID, I would spend a lot of time interstate travelling, you mm-hmm. know, servicing clients face-to-face. Suddenly, I became that remote mental support person that they could pick up the phone, send a text, you know, schedule a meeting, and suddenly I was available. And because technology is so diverse and constantly emerging, um, uh, it it poses a series of different challenges because some people had basic, you know, text t- text and FaceTime was about their, their, about their baseline yeah. versus suddenly, yeah, okay, we're using Zoom, we're yeah. using Teams, we're using, you know, Team Viewer or we're yeah. using a series of different technologies. Oh, suddenly somebody has to use SharePoint or Moodle or something else. And mm. so suddenly you had this big learning curve overnight. Yeah. Hang on, if I'm the facilitator of the outcome, I need to be the quasi-expert. Sugar, I haven't used this system for a while. Yeah. I better familiarise myself with it. So subsequently, you know, we all went through a very swift learning well, process. Yeah. Do you think um, at the moment that a lot of us are suffering now from that kind of learning fatigue? So we've had oh, to Oh, yes, pivot. change management fatigue, mm. learning fatigue, even being stationary. You know, like in, in front of a screen. I'm not the only one who suddenly got rectangular eyes. Mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then on top of that, depending on your personality type, some people thrive on, you know, being face-to-face with somebody because they're yeah. better able to understand the full body language dynamics. Mm-hmm. By comparison, if you're an introvert, hey, you're in heaven. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if by comparison you're an extrovert and basically you hear your own voice and only your own voice because basically your audience is simply responding with a chat, you know, thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a massive um, non-alignment, non-congruence. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got mental health, uh, you know, challenges mm-hmm. that have just suddenly been brought to light. You know, up until now, hidden disabilities and challenges of, you know, different mm-hmm. types of mental disorders. People haven't previously had access to a avenue, platform or, or venue to disclose the challenges they live with. Yeah. Um, and suddenly mental health is now a talking point and a recognised challenge that we all have to adjust to and adapt to. Yeah, absolutely it is. And I so, think you've raised a really interesting point in terms of um, it seems like we're more allowed to talk about mental health now as, as business owners in particular. So what I find is the conversations in the wider business community Whereas you used to get asked, how are you? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, business is good. You know, now all of a sudden in the face of the it's pandemic okay. it's okay to go actually i'm really struggling and i'm dealing with this and this is happening um mm. so it's normalized it um mm. do you think what do you think the long-term impact is going to be from that perspective now that we kind of have created a safe space to talk about you know we don't have to be fine and fantastic all the time oh, well i think i think that I, I think the appreciation and almost the mandate for work life balance is just going to be now a stock standard process moving yeah. forward yeah we're going to recognize that it's okay so you know somebody's got mental health uh, issues it's like sorry i need a mental health day um i literally was uh, i noted in the past week uh, nike gave their office staff not their retail staff but their office staff a week off mm. for mental health reasons Wow. This is an unheard of concept. Yeah. I believe that somebody like Microsoft might be doing something similar or has done something similar. Mm-hmm. The recognition for timeout. Yeah. Historically, timeout was something that a naughty child got for misbehavior. Yeah. Versus now we can have timeout say, I am feeling overwhelmed. I am no different from my computer having 17 different applications open simultaneously mm-hmm. and crashing. And I am at caving point. And subsequently, with mental health, people are recognising what their triggers are Mm -hmm. and they're seeking assistance, saying, how do I deal with my triggers? How do I cope with them? How do I minimise the impact on me and my immediate family? Because it's not just me anymore that suffers. It's all my loved ones and even my work relationships will suffer. Absolutely. Because like you had said earlier, it's like we would previously say, I'm okay. Well, we have this thing coming up in less than a week or two. It's are you okay day. And what's happening is that people are asking, are you okay more frequently than just that one day a year? Yeah, that's true. And I think we're asking better questions too in terms of like a follow-up question as opposed to just are you okay? So yeah, yeah. So um, what I'm finding is that the conversations are more authentic. Mm. Yeah, And separate from them being more authentic, quite often one of my start point questions, and, and it's not intentional or in any way manipulative or anything like that, I've simply started with, hi, how are you? How's COVID impacting you? How are you affected? Yeah. 
And people say, well, I'm spending more time with my kids. You know, suddenly I've I, I've done 17 jigsaw puzzles in the last three months. Yeah. Somebody else is saying it's like, well, you know, like suddenly the family goes out for bike rides, you know, three or four times a week. And we never previously made time for that. Mm. Um, I'm spending more time with my kids, um, you know, helping them with their homework. Now, not everybody is a parent, but yeah. suddenly it's like there's a lot more people that have become parents. Yes, as opposed to being working humans that have children living in their house. Correct. Yeah, so not absolutely. everybody's a parent. Not everybody goes down that path or has yeah. that opportunity to be parents and so on. Mm. But then, of course, a lot of people have chosen to become fur parents. Mm. But subsequently, people are recognising, actually recognising vulnerability and sharing vulnerability builds that trust in a different way. It does, absolutely. I think that raises a fantastic point too. I have this conversation with a lot of people around if you are prepared to be vulnerable uh, and open, then it creates that space for other people to be the same way with you. So I will often, you know, I, I post a lot on Facebook and on LinkedIn and, you know, generally speaking, a lot of it is just, you know, here I am doing this, look, isn't this amazing? Um, but on the days that I build a blanket fort, and that's what I call it, and, and don't like leave the house because I need to just build a blanket fort, um, I make sure that I post that stuff on social media as well because the last mm -hmm. thing that I want is for everyone to think that, you know, maintaining the pace that I maintain doesn't have its limitations. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I have the most amazing conversations with people. They private message me when I say I'm building a blanket fort and say, oh, I'm so relieved. I just thought you were this unstoppable force. And I'm like, no. <laughs> No, I'm like, I get broken too, and blanket fort and whiskey is my answer to every problem. <laughs> well, I'm not quite at the stage where it's like, yeah, I'm drinking wine on a regular basis, but I do yeah. like my vodka. Oh, nice. That's good. Uh, so one of the other challenges, I suppose, I'm working in organisational, you know, structure and, and documentation and things is, um, you know, we have the remote workforce now, we have hybrid workforces, we're traditionally, so for my team uh, with social media AOK, -okay, I would have eight staff in the office building, you know, so I could get up from my desk and go and have a conversation with them about projects and things. And now I have three of those staff that work permanently from home because they don't mm -hmm. want to come back to the office and they enjoy it and they're productive. Um, I have a couple of staff that need to work in the office in order to be productive and they've just discovered that it doesn't work for them being at home. And then I have, you know, the rest of the guys have a mix, so they pick and choose. Mm -hmm. um, that's really challenging, I think, as a leader to you know, build the trust in your team to a point that you can do that. What are some of the things that you would put in place if you had that kind of hybrid work environment um, to ensure that you could have that trust in your team, I suppose? Uh, uh, first and foremost, it's clear, clear lines of communication, mm -hmm. you know, and again, um, that authentic relationship building of rapport and trust, you know, trust yeah. is earned. It's not just granted. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, policies, procedures, protocols, guidelines of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Um, I've shared a number of times with many of my clients going, well, below the waist, you know, below the desk, you know, I'm wearing my track suits because I'm obviously sitting in my chair anywhere up to 12 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, there'll be days when you're just not in the mood for it going, look, can I reschedule that? Yeah. But ultimately, regardless of where you work, do you enjoy what you do? Yeah. If you enjoy what you do, it doesn't matter where you are. Very true. Yeah. 
Absolutely. But as a leader, you want to be able to trust your team saying, well, what have you been up to? Mm. And, and that conversation now goes wider than just what did you do for work? Yeah. It'll be conversations that, well, actually, you know, I made pasta from scratch. Yeah. You know, <laughs> okay. you know like I actually rolled the dough out and I made, I made pasta from scratch. It's yeah. like, you know, um, actually I started a little you know, a herb garden out the back or, mm. you know, um, I didn't realise I had a green thumb. So suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm planting veggies and we've now got organic food. Yeah, it changes the context of your relationship with your teams, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So as long as that relationship continues to grow, um, what I've picked up with a number of different organisations I've worked in was um, how many staff were water cooler uh, staff. Mm-hmm. The staff that used to stand around the water oh, yeah. cooler that often would not produce anything, but because they were always present. They looked like they were producing. They looked busy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and please do not be offended. I'm putting the disclaimer I have often found Sydney to be somewhat of a claustrophobic city to go to, to Mm. travel to. Yeah, I'm a bit the same with Sydney, to be honest. There's something about Sydney. It could very well be the literally the feng shui of the way in which the city was built. It's Mm -hmm. like there's just no there's no natural energy flow for me. It it disconnects with my energy frequency. Um, But the number of times I've historically had conversations with them saying, "So, what are you up to?" Oh, I'm busy great. So what are you busy on? Oh, no, I'm just busy. So you wouldn't get an articulated specification on what they're working on. Mm -hmm. That has well and truly changed because suddenly every headcount of a person is now being scrutinised for what value do they bring to the organisational team. Very true, yeah. So now you have conversations, say, what have you been up to? Go, well, I just finished this framework over here or I just finished this, you know, like, you know, suite of resources for this organisation or I just ran a, you know, Q&A you know, session mm-hmm. or a PD. I did this, I did that, but they're specifying what they're working yeah. on. It's outcome, much more outcome focused, I think. Yeah. Very much so. So I think it's more a case of be present, mm-hmm. be accountable, you know, be be seen, be heard, um, and play show and tell, which is something that you know the teacher used to do on Monday morning. Yeah. Well, now you can have show and tell whenever you speak to yeah. somebody, because usually in the background there's the partner or the child, the yeah. animal, <laughs> or something. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. doing run run, you know, runs yeah. through the go. Hang on, I'm busy now. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, the amount of times I've had that on a Zoom call when we were in lockdown, it was yeah, not great. Um, entertaining though. Uh, Nancy, <laughs> thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, Absolute pleasure. Thank you very kindly for the invite. And of course, we need to uh, recognise who dogged me in. Oh, I can't remember now who. Dogged Kylie. Me. Oh, it was too. Yes. Kylie, Kylie dogged me in. Yeah. So did. who do I dob in? Uh, that's a good question, but whoever you think of, feel free to send me a message on LinkedIn. I will do. We'll I've already got somebody in mind for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Nancy. Now, listeners, if you want to get in touch with Nancy, all of her um, links will be in the show notes on the podcast, so you'll be able to find her there. And you heard from Nancy herself. She can access remote mentoring and work with any business around the country. So, Nancy, thanks again. Thank you very much. No Absolute pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Seriously Social. Check our website for the latest news, show notes, and for details about tonight's latest book, Confident Networker. You'll find us at socialmediaaok.com.au slash podcast.